And on behalf of all the missionaries that are here this morning and those that could make it, thank you. And we know that the theme for the weekend is heart for missions, but we know that you already have a heart for missions because you showed up, you pray for us, you give your hard-earned dollars to us, you support us in every way possible. And we want to thank you for that. And on behalf of Jan and myself and all the other missionaries, again, merci beaucoup infiniment. Jan right now is uh, doing the children's program. She's a ventriloquist. I don't know if you know that. So she's doing the children's program. And many of you follow her on her daily um, devotional blog, devotionsbyjan.com. And uh, she appreciates all the feedback she gets from that. So this, so I'm excited to really be here. Um, but I'm particularly excited because on November 21st, I'm going to meet a guy that had a heart for missions like Christ. You see, on November 21st, we're all going to gather Newport Beach, the class of 1970, Corona Mar High School, and celebrate our 45th high school reunion. And there I'm going to walk up to John and thank him. Why? Because John did what we read in Luke 15. So important was it that Jesus decided to tell three parables. You know them. The lost coin, lost sheep, lost son. And God's great love for us that he would do anything to go after us until we're found. Let me just read this very famous passage that you all know very well. Just to remind you. And in Luke 15, the lost sheep. Now all the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near to him to listen to him and both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble saying this man receives sinners and eats with them and he told them a parable saying hey what man among you if he has lost a hundred sheep and has lost one of them does not leave the 99 in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it and when he has found it he lays it on his shoulders Rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together in his, hand, his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I tell you, in the same way, Jesus says after the parable, this indelible story in our head, Jesus says, And I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven, capital H, a place over one sinner who repents that's me Randy Kent in 1967 then over 99 righteous persons who need no patience you see this guy John and I were on the football team together at Corona Moore High School he was a lineman I was a defensive back he had nothing to gain and he kept he saw that I was lost the scrawny sophomore, and he went after me. And he kept pursuing me. And he kept doing everything he could to get me to church, and I wouldn't go. I don't want to go to church. I lived by the beach. I was in the surfing and sailing. And girls. And he figured it out. He said, well, if you come to my church, which is across the street from Newport Harbor High School, a rival high school, you ought to see the girls in Newport Harbor. He got my attention. I went there, 
And while chasing girls for a year in this Bible study, I was found. You see, John saw the urgency. He pursued me with resolve, focus, and love. He had nothing to gain. And there was great joy when I found the Savior. And I want to repeat that joy that's in heaven and on earth in November when I see him. It'll be what Pastor Rick said last week, the high five moment. Thank you, John. And that's the heart of missions. Love. God's great love for us. Pursues us, finds us, puts us on his shoulders, come and throws a party. Saved. And it's all done out of love. Why? Because one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Love never fails. Never ceases, never fails. Anything done out of love will work. So this morning is a reminder. Just like communion last Sunday was a reminder. Do this in remembrance of me and what he did for us. Crucified. Died. Buried. Resurrected. It's a heart check this morning. You see, every day I have a Fitbit and I just tap on it and see what percentage of 10,000 steps I've made. Sunday mornings are about a heart bit. Just checking our heart. We know what to do. I know I need 10,000 steps. I need to keep moving. Am I moving toward the loss, though? That's the thing that really matters. God wants us to be successful in the things that actually matter. I have a lot of friends who are successful financially, physically, emotionally, socially, economic, you know, every way you can think of. Doesn't matter, does it, ultimately, until they're found by Christ. You know the famous verse. In 1 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, 2 Corinthians, pardon me, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and 15, for the love of Christ controls us. We love because he first loved us. John loved me in 1967 to go after me because Christ first loved John. And then I went after all my buddies on the football team, invited them to church, And now they're found. For the love of Christ controls us, we're told. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died to our priorities. And he died for all, that they who live, that Randy, who's living, should no longer live for myself, for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on my behalf, on your behalf. And that's the heart of missions. A heart bit. Not a fit bit. Where's your heart? And so, that's Christ's heart for mission. He will lead the 99. Go after the lost. 
until it's found. Urgency, resolve, and joy. Out of joy. And so a, a believer has the same heart for mission. And it translates into several things. Number one, you now have a mission statement for your life. You, know, you now have three activities just three to do on this planet. And a mindset to have every day that you wake up. What is that? One of the greatest missionaries, of course, is the Apostle Paul. And he summarized it, everything you need to know about the Great Commission, in 1 Corinthians, excuse me, Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. If I read it, it simply says, Proclaim Christ. Let me find it here. And we proclaim Him, admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, that we may present every man complete in Christ. And for this purpose... And this purpose only I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. So what's our mission statement? Presenting every person in Christ. Our goal is to present a person perfect in Christ. Why in Christ? Because in Christ, you're transformed. The old has passed away. You're a new person in Christ. You get the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Self-control. All of your sins are forgotten. Christ is never going to bring it up. I might bring it up. You might bring it up in your head. Christ says, hey, as far as I'm concerned, you're a saint in my eyes. That's why the saint is never used in, in singular. It's always plural, isn't it? Saints. Has nothing to do with someone getting voted on. Oh, I think he's a saint. No, Christ says, "Eh, your sins are as far as the east is from the west. It's forgotten. I don't bring it up again. That's why there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus." You know, Romans twelve. You're complete. And on top of it, every morning, because we're not perfect, even though we're complete, His mercies and compassions are renewed. And so, the previous day, if you've blown it, God says, "Okay." Get a new start, man. No problem. Wow. And then, our anxieties and worries. I mean, come on. Life is about one crisis after another. Isn't that life? Is there a person sitting here this morning who isn't in some sort of crisis? Financial crisis? A relational crisis? A health crisis? An emotional crisis? Our crisis was this morning. Trying to get out the door and a pipe breaks in our condo. Flooding everything in our house. And we've got to be at church this morning. Mm -hmm. So if you're complete in Christ, what do you do? Well, you cry. Get frustrated. Maybe let out an expletive, but you know, his Mercies and compassions are renewed every morning. And in Philippians 4 says, give it to him. So we've given it to him. 
I don't know what we're going to have when we go back to our place in San Juan. And he says, the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart, hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Not in your plumber, although we're going to call a plumber. You're complete in Christ. And every, I'm just mentioning a few of them. Yes. You see, there was a church that gave out these wristbands. I, I thought it was really, God is enough. Reminder. Yeah, I'm complete in Christ. That's all I need, man. I don't need my financial advisor, although I use one. I don't need my parents. I love them. And I'm thankful for what they did for me. I need Christ. And Christ then provides all these other people, like financial advisors and plumbers and everything else you may need in your life, a job. God's peace. So our mission statement is to present every man and woman complete in Christ. Starting with the children in the children's program where my wife is right now, to the youth programs, to the single adults, and to people my age. There was a woman, is she here yesterday at the breakfast? She, yeah, there you are. Give me your name again. Caroline. Her husband found the Lord, what is it, 18 months before he met his maker. That's what we're talking. He's complete in Christ. And you should see the joy that she had when telling me that yesterday morning. The joy she had in knowing her husband is with the Savior, the Lamb of God. There's no bigger joy. She didn't talk about it. She may live in Nellie Gill. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Her husband is with the Savior. And so that's our mission statement. And three measurable activities. Proclaim, warn, and teach. Proclaim Christ. It's about Christ. I went to a funeral the other day. I didn't talk about the deceased. I didn't talk about that. I talked about Christ. Two people, I had a chance to share Christ. I just simply say, Lord, just send some people my way. And sure enough, two people showed up. Of course. It's about Christ. And we talked about Christ. I'll never forget. About five years ago, we, we recruited a, a Muslim basketball player who was quite talented. And he shows up, and at the... Late at night is his fifth prayer, you know, one hour after sunset, his fifth prayer. And so in the middle of the practice game, he walks off the court, takes off his shoes, puts down the towel, faces Mecca, and in Arabic, mind you, says his fifth prayer, out loud, audible. And the eight French guys and this Californian are watching what he's doing. He wanted to send a very strong message. Because he had heard through the Arab telephone, that's what they call it, no word of mouth, that I was a Christian on the team. The only Christian. And he wanted to distinguish himself as the truly religious person in the only true God, Allah. You know, Shahada. There's only one true God. His name is Allah. And Muhammad is his prophet. One of the five pillars of Islam. And so he's doing his thing, and the French guys are looking around like, what just happened here? We're right in the middle of the game. This guy walks off, and he's a superstar, so he can do stuff like that. And so I asked the Lord for wisdom, James 1.5. I said, Lord, what do I do here? This is awkward, and it looks like they're winning. What's going on here? 
And so God says, just speak up. So I said, out loud in French, my God, I pray to my God too. My God wants to hear me. And I can talk to him anytime. I don't have to wash any part of my body. I don't have to face any direction. And I'm not restricted. Or do I have to only pray five times per day? In fact, I talk to him all the time. In fact, when I'm on the basketball court, I'm praying my shot will go in. Or I won't turn the ball over. And all the French guys look at me and said, makes sense to us. If God is your heavenly father and he loves you, which I said, that's what he is. He's a God of love. You proclaim Christ. I didn't talk about this guy or Islam. If you've ever been to Utah, the evangelical Protestant movement in Utah with the LDS folks, they don't put down the Mormon church. It's not nothing about the Mormons. You talk about Christ. When people hear about who Jesus is of the Bible, the real Jesus of the Bible, they come out of the Mormon church to an evangelical Protestant church. We talk about Christ. You proclaim Christ. You're not talking about yourself or anything else. It's Christ-centered living. Christ-centered dialogue. And then we warn them. Try something else and you'll pay big. And so when we have missions teams, now we're home for nine months every year recruiting for these missions teams and we travel east coast, west coast. We have missions trips in basketball. We have them in VBS. We have them in equestrian camps and surfing camps and street evangelism where we, people like the Frankenbergers, we have Christy and she's doing dancing things and, and Paul and Susan are do, you know, doing all kinds of things. And, and we have them give testimonies. We're warning them. You see, before Christ I tried this and I tried this philosophy. I tried booze, I tried sex, I tried money, I tried power, social status, I tried my own energy. And it all failed. That's your testimony. And then I found Christ. And it works 100% of the time. Love never fails. God's love for us never fails. If he finds you, he's going to protect you, nurture you, and do everything that makes you successful in his eyes, not in your eyes. And so we warn him through our testimonies. Would you talk about your life before? We have it translated. If you're in the Czech Republic, in a basketball camp, or if you're in Belgium with an out street outreach, or an equestrian camp in Normandy, whatever it is, we get it translated. Tell us about your life with Christ. And then teaching them. Teaching them. Teaching means to explain what the Bible actually says. Come on, ask the people who are lost. Ask them if they've actually ever read the Bible. What's your understanding of the biblical message? And they've heard some things on, you know, on the media, their friends. They don't get it right. So you have to explain it to them. But you don't have to explain it. It's already explained. 800,000 words, 66 books. It's all explained right here. You don't, even know to learn, you don't even need to learn French. Just point to a French Bible and just point the verse out and they can read it. 
Because God's word is living and active. Isn't that right? God's word is living and active, just like God is living. The living God. And so we teach. And we, we have small groups. In fact, we spent two years. One of my basketball players came up to me in the center. He said, you know, can I talk to you about something? I said, yeah, go ahead. I, I just have some questions. So we started a Bible study at his house. For two years, every Sunday night we met. At the end of two years, he gave his life to Christ. Then his wife did. Then his kids did. They started coming to our church, our French church. They were in the Sunday school classes, the youth groups, they gave their lives over to Christ too. That's why the, the entire staff of this church is so important. From Joan, Miss Joan, remember her last week saying, how did it speak to you personally, Miss Joan? Little guys. To our youth group, our junior high, ski trips and high school things. God bless Jared and all the people that work behind the scenes. It's easy to be up here and standing. No, the real work is all that other people working, and all of you working those Sunday school classes. Explaining things. This is what God's word says, not what I say. God loves you. His grace is magnificent. He loves you. You're lost, but he'll bring you back. He'll protect you. He'll guide you. Yeah. And then one mindset. God may give you a paycheck. God does give you a paycheck. And it has different words on it, doesn't it? It could be Orange County Department of Education. It could be a a company that you work for. It could be an unemployment check. It could come through some friends who are just helping you out financially. He's given you everything you need so that you can do the one thing. Paul says, and I, for this purpose, and this purpose only, I strive. Striving. We're in a spiritual battle. It's hard work. Okay, sure, you work for a, a boss that makes it hard, or your work is physically hard, or psychologically taxing, or emotionally taxing. And you may work for pittance, underpaid, which is usually the case. Too much responsibility, no authority. (laughs) That's not your work. Paul says, for this and this, I labor, we labor. Looking for the lost. He placed you in that work environment or that neighborhood or that family so that you might see the lost. And go after them until they're found. Put them on your shoulders, bring them back, and let's celebrate. That's why he's given you good health, lucid, lucid thoughts, another heartbeat, another breath, so that you might do that. But you have to do it on your own. Oh man, I'm tired. I work 60 hours a week. Are you kidding me? Family obligations? Stay-at-home moms are the most tired people in the world. Isn't this the Sunday of the weekend of women, I think it is, today? Wow. We're all tired. 
And God knows that. And so he says, I labor in striving according to his power, which works mightily within me. You see, God is not interested in a pep talk. I know about pep talks. I'm a coach in France. I give them in French, and I'm really good at it. And yet my team still lose. So God doesn't give pep talks. He gives power talks. Man, if you're like me, we've forgotten the basics. The basics. 1 Corinthians 4.20. 1 Corinthians 4.20. The kingdom of God does not consist of words, but in what? Power. 1 Corinthians 4.20. The kingdom of God does not consist of words, but in power. But you being empowered to find the lost. Now, for some of you, it may be writing the hard check to be a sender. Or the one being sent to actually go. He empowers you. I left a cushy position at El Toro High School. The science department chairman opened up the school at El Toro High School. Hired most of the faculty, making a you know, guaranteed income. Teaching at Irvine Valley College at night. God empowered me to go to France and take a big cut in, in salary. And we're doing fine. Do I look like I'm suffering? Yeah. And he shows you the lost. For us, it was different. As you know, Jan was on The Price is Right. And she won $5,000 when Bob Barker was, was hosting it. And so we traveled around for, for three weeks and didn't see one evangelical Protestant church. Not even one. Looked hard. All we saw were empty Catholic churches in all 38,000 villages. Now, we didn't visit all those villages, but all the ones we did, and we visited a lot of them, empty. Saw the lost and decided to go. And God has empowered us over the many, many years. Oh, yeah. And it's a power enough to get us no matter what age you are. Do you remember last time I spoke in January 2014? We, we discussed Psalm 92. And you will bear fruit even in old age. See, God can empower you no matter what your age. From a child to those nearing glory. God empowered my Aunt Beat so much that last 10 years of life, she was an emphysema. She couldn't move, laying there, oxygen bottle there. She wrote checks. Sending all these kids to camp, Verdugo Pines. And she had never had any biological children. has hundreds of spiritual children. I'm one of them. He empowers you. Financially, Physically, psychologically. I'm old, man. I, I shouldn't be doing camps anymore. It's for the young guys. But God empowers me when I need it. Yeah, one mindset. 
to make a difference on the planet. Isn't that what you want? To make a difference? When all said and done, not to be forgotten? At your funeral, your memorial service? And people say, man, he made a difference. And I can't wait to see John on November 25th at our 45th high school reunion. You made a difference in my life because you, you did not give up. I was lost, and now I'm found. And then we take these lost people, and we put them in a church. Why would we put them in a church? Ever think about that? I'd like to offer at least four biblical reasons why we put them in a church. Number one, according to Matthew 16, nothing will prevail against it. Nothing, according to God's word. Look around the world in closed Muslim countries. They can execute and behead all the Christians they want on the beaches of Libya and there will still be Christian churches in Libya. You can close off China, my people, my mom's Chinese, and you'll still have 200 million believers. And I've been in China several times, meeting clandestinely. Or you can think you're somebody like the big shot financial institutions were in 2008 and think I'll be around forever, invest money with us, and they're gone. You know what I'm talking about. We did prevail against them. But against the church, never. That's a promise from God. That's why the church. It's the one institution that will last until his return. Secondly, we're family. It's the family outside the family. 1 Timothy 3.15, we're told it's the household of the living God. We're in his house of the living God. He's walking, sitting among us. It's the pillar in support of the truth. That's what it says. 1 Timothy 3.15, the household of the living God, pillar in support of the truth. We're going to tell you the truth when everyone else is, has some other alternative motive behind that. It's your true family. Where you hear the truth, we speak the truth in love. And we know there are wolves in sheep's clothing that you know, mingle among us and do weird things in churches. Okay, but the true believing church, you know what I'm talking about. It's a family. And then thirdly, it's a safe place. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. It's a safe place. What do I mean? Well, Christ says if one member suffers, we all suffer. If one member is honored, we all rejoice. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. We identify with everything. That's why when, when, when Pastor Ken Bergstead said, I remember a few weeks ago, he says, we even should go to funerals to, to people we don't even know. You remember that? Out of love. That's how closely we're tied in this family. It's a safe place. Everywhere outside will take you down. There's no true love for you. They're not looking for the best for you. They're looking for an advantage over you. You know that if you've been around. A family. 
family, the safe place. This morning I was just in a bad mood. I said, oh, dang. This plumbing, our house is flooded, and this is the one week out of the year our family's getting together down in Point Loma. They're flying in from all over the place. We want to get to see our kids once and our grandkids once a year, and this happens. And people said, man, I'm so sorry. One person I saw tears is welling up, feeling for me. I'm not looking for sympathy, but I need it. (laughs) I need to be loved on. I need to love and to be loved on. Isn't it great someone would say a kind word to you in this really mean world? And I know several of you around here, man, some of us go back just decades and all the kind and love and sacrifice people have done for us in our greatest need from moving in recently to my first suit that Bill Temple there gave me, to Dick and Mary and all the others in this room. Yeah, the safe place. And then the fourth thing, there are no nationalities. These flags simply represent where you might live. It might represent your passport. It might represent your culture. Philippians 3.20, your citizenship is where? In heaven. And that's why the church is global. It's about the church, Christ's church, because it will prevail, it's family, it's a safe place, And we all have the same passport, grace. When I go to the airport, I always covet the Swiss passport. I mean, the chances of you actually qualifying and getting a passport in Switzerland is next to zero. I can guarantee you that. And that's just my flesh talking. But I don't have to worry about that because 1 Corinthians 2.9, what eyes never seen, what ears never heard, what the hearts never pondered, God has reserved for those who love him. Oh, yes, I don't need Switzerland. I need heaven, capital H. So we pledge allegiance to the Christian flag. In that passport, grace, we're going to celebrate in four Sundays from now, April 5th, right? Christ crucified, buried, you know, died, buried, and resurrected. And so we're going to help the global church, our brothers and sisters in Christ, whether Romania, India, Mexico, wherever they are. And in France, we have two programs. Our listener program called 100% Connected. We're going to do street evangelism, helping three struggling French churches in the north of France, a part I've never been to. The churches are smaller than the number of people in room 209, right? Uh, 109 over there. And what are we going to do? Who knows? Do you need French? No. Do you need any special talent? No. You need a heart for the lost which is the heart for missions. You show up, and you may simply just be a prayer warrior. Some may dance like 
Christie. Some may flip sausages like me. Some may walk handing out flyers or stuffing mailboxes. You're going to do whatever the church does. And but love means you show up, doesn't it? You show up at the hospital. You show up on Sunday morning. Even though you don't have a chance to talk to everyone, you showed up this morning and you might be the one person who says something loving to another person, encouraging word, an edifying thing that will make all the difference for that person out of love. No alternative motives, just love. And then we have 15 French teens and two French adults coming and we're asking people to house them feed them, transportation. And the Frankenbergers have graciously decided to be the point people in that one. And to take these French teens, some are believers, some are not, and then make disciples of them, baptizing them, and teaching them everything that Christ commanded us to do. And send them back to their own country and take France for Christ. Plant a church there. Just like Ron they're going to plant, training 11 people to, to plant churches. It's about planting churches. You know, Pastor Rick was telling me earlier that in Japan, it is virtually, there are virtually zero churches in Japan. We need church planters. And I'm hoping you'll send Pastor Rick to Japan to be part of discipling and training future pastors that, for the Japanese to take Japan for Christ. You think a, a Toyota is good. Can you imagine if a Christian's going to build a Toyota, how good that's going to be? The quality's already high. They'll all be Lexuses before they're done. Yeah. And so thank you for listening to me.